G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Marlin. Today, I've got friend Michael Yardney on the show and he's the founder and CEO of Metropole Property Strategists, hosts of Michael Yardney's podcast, available on all the platforms, and he's been voted Australia's leading property investment advisor four times in the last six years, one of the 50 most influential thought leaders, and he's also a best-selling author, a lot of great topics and titles that are worth checking out. So why have I got him on today? Well, I'm fresh off of going to his wealth retreat on the Gold Coast, and I really wanted to take you inside some of the exercises and things that we focused on in terms of rewiring your mind for wealth. We all have limitations no matter where we're at in our journey, myself, even Michael, and we're constantly looking at how we can change these beliefs to go to the next level. Before you tune out and think you've got it all covered, push deeper and let's go inside because this could be the key difference that's going to take you to the next level. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. G'day, Michael. Thanks for joining us on a topic that you and I both love, going into more of the mindset side of things today. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Jared. It's a topic that I've found interesting and have I studied for a number of decades. And we're both coming off of your wealth retreat a couple of weeks ago when we were just talking about it off off air. And, you know, a lot of your focus at wealth retreat was on our mindset and raising our financial thermostat and, you know, just how important that is. Why do you choose to focus so much time of wealth retreat on that? Firstly. Well, partly because people come in thinking they want more information, they need more tools in their toolbox, they need that edge that other people, they may know some secret, but in fact, I've found out that the biggest difference, Jared, between the average investor and the successful investor, and it's the same in business, people actually the same with sport, it is actually their, their mindset. So, uh, I think when people initially come to Wealth Retreat, they think they're going to learn the secrets of the wealthy, and they do, but it's not what they were planning to learn. Exactly. And I've found that the things that I know can often actually be holding me back, and I have to change my whole mindset at various points to go to the next level. And every time I hit a ceiling, I, I now think, who can I surround myself with or what can I do to change some of these underlying things? And that's why I came to Wealth Retreat. Well, that, that's a good point because, you know, it's often said that you're the equivalent of the five people you hang around. But what happens is that some people want to go more, want to go further. And that doesn't mean you leave all your old friends behind, but it does mean you need a new group of consultants, advisors, mentors, and friends uh, because it won't change until you change and you won't change until you change your way of thinking. And that will just pull back to your old habits unless, firstly, you develop new habits, but secondly, you keep reinforcing them by being, I was going to say, around the right people. And this is not a judge of people, but it's just the way different people think. And I've heard you talk about 
you know, wealth or a financial thermostat. What do you actually mean by that? And how does this relate to, you know, being around the right people? Well, as I said, success has to do with mindset. And I believe that we all have a financial thermostat level of wealth we're comfortable with. And that was set at childhood. Look, you could be the best engineer, the best lawyer, the best investor. But if your financial thermostat is set low, you either won't make the money that you're hoping to, or you'd lose it. Jared, over the years, I've seen so many investors and others sabotage themselves when they come into wealth. And this is not just a story about people who win the lottery and don't know what to do with it, but you see people making silly decisions and you wonder why from the outside, but it really is that they're just not comfortable with the level of wealth that they've suddenly grown to. On the other hand, I've seen many successful investors and entrepreneurs who've actually lost it all, but they they make it back again because what they haven't lost is their, their inner financial thermostat. You see, I, I believe if you took all the money in the world, Jared, and divided it equally, it would soon, I don't know, in five years' time, end up being in the same pockets. Do you agree with that? Definitely. From what I've seen in every profession and every, you know, there's always the, those that are, have got the mindset that end up on the top of the pile, don't they? Very much so. So I guess it means that your income will seldom exceed your own personal development. But the good news is you actually can have more because you can become more. On the other side, the other I guess, flip of the coin is unless you change how you are, unless the way you change the way you think, you're always going to have what you have. So all this property stuff that you and I speak about is very good, but it won't do it. In order to have more, you actually need to become more. Makes a lot of sense. And you alluded at where this financial blueprint might have been formed. What were some of the ways and, you know, does it help us to understand them or, or not? Yeah. Well, I, I guess we were all taught to think about money. We didn't come out of the womb knowing how to do money. So your financial blueprint, your thermostat, where you feel comfortable is a combination of your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, the air of your money. And over time, this becomes your conditioning. And it all happens at a subconscious level. Your subconscious conditioning determines your thinking. Your thinking determines your decisions. Your decisions determine your actions. And obviously that determines your outcomes. So as I said, wealth retreat a few times, your thoughts lead to your feelings, your feelings lead to your actions, your actions lead to your results. So your outside world is really a reflection of what's happening inside. But I haven't actually answered your question, where did it come from? And I guess the question is, who taught you about money? We had to learn about it some way. And I guess that came as a child. In fact, a lot of this is suggested as being formed in the first decade of your life, in particular by your parents, but by other significant adults, partly by your culture, partly by your teachers. But the, your biggest mentors were, were your parents in all areas of your life. So we learn a lot from, from modeling, from what they did, what they, what they said, but well, also didn't say what they didn't say. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's interesting. Some of us tend to be identical to one or both of our parents and, and the others uh, do the opposite. So my sister's very much like my parents and very conservative and risk-averse and debt-averse. And I, I, I was angry. I rebelled. I didn't enjoy my childhood. And so I, I did the opposite. But I unfortunately learned in the first half of my life that if your motivation for acquiring money comes from fear, from anger, from, from the need to prove yourself, which is one of the 
my motivating drivers for the first half of my life, it actually doesn't bring you happiness, Jared. I guess we have that one in common. So you're, you're speaking to someone that really understands how, you know, that can drive you, but then you're not ever happy because you're always looking for the next big thing. And it's nice when you can understand that and start to change the reasons that you're motivated or that you're driving towards wealth and that it has it changed for you over time i'm gathering very much so and and uh, i i it came from learning these things from the mentors i had uh probably i mean well i ruined the first half of my life and my first marriage and i had to reprove myself again to my family to myself to others i guess i was still trying to prove myself but when i became more comfortable uh in myself, uh, I developed many more supporting beliefs and habits. Well, that leads us on to how do we even know if the beliefs we're currently got are supportive ones? Because we're, we're all probably, you know, we've probably got people driving along, people walking, people at the gym listening at the moment thinking, yep, yeah, my beliefs are supportive. I've, you know, I've got, how could they be holding me back? You know, that's a good point. I think the first thing to recognize is we all have empowering beliefs. And we've got disempowering beliefs. We drive around with one foot on the accelerator and one on the brake. And that leads to we all have rich habits and poor habits, which is the title of one of my books with Tom Corley. And you met Tom who came from the United States to Wealth Retreat. And wealthy people have more rich habits and fewer poor habits. But we all still, and at Wealth Retreat, where there was a room full of already very successful business people, entrepreneurs and investors, we all still, including me, had limiting beliefs. So to answer your question about how do you know, well, what you've got to really do is look at the results because if you look at the results, you'll then look at the effect. Are you happy? So have I got poor beliefs about and habits about health? Yeah. You're slimmer than me. I, I still, despite knowing I shouldn't, I've got bad habits and still will eat chocolate and, and nibble the wrong things and not exercise maybe as much as I should. So we have these good and bad habits in all areas of your life. But uh, I guess if you want to understand are the beliefs powerful enough or not, it actually takes some exercise and some mentors and probably people from the outside to help you work through this. Because, But it's important because I believe the rich keep getting richer because they're programmed to, they're conditioned to, while most of us, most Australians are boxed in by the boundaries of their thoughts. It's all at a subconscious level, isn't it, Jared? Well, I think I've heard the statistic that over 80% of our decisions are driven by our subconscious and we don't even understand that, that that's having the effect and, and, and guiding these decisions so they can be almost automatic once we get them in there. I mean, I guess in a good analogy is if you had a cup, uh, but it was small, no matter how much money or water or whatever you could put in, all it would do was spill over and you'd lose it. You simply can't have more money than the size of your cup, but you can grow yourself into a bigger cup. So you don't only obtain more wealth, but you attract it and you keep it. And that's how one, I guess the concept of that is upgrading this internal financial thermostat, what you're comfortable with. Because, I mean, if you look at I don't know, Oprah Winfrey, if she was a, a millionaire, she'd feel poor. But the average Australian's financial thermostat isn't set at millions, isn't set at thousands, uh, it's set at hundreds. And people say, oh, that's not fair, Michael. If I had a better education, I'd be richer. 
oh, that's not fair, Michael, I'd give more to charity if I earned more money. No, no, it's the other way around. You can't blame the government, your parents, the institutions. Yeah, that may have happened years ago, but now as adults, we've got to take responsibility for ourselves, Jared. During Wealth Retreat, we did have some steps to, I guess, go through and start changing our beliefs. Tell us a bit about those. And Well, I guess the first thing is to recognize that you have empowering and disempowering beliefs, rich and poor habits, and the problem is basically subconscious. So then we went through some exercises to do that, and I guess it's actually a bit of self-introspection. I guess that's the only sort of introspection you can have. <laughs> but, but thinking about what, what you're motivating, what your primary thoughts are. And it's interesting, a lot of people do have a primary thought in the back of their mind that keeps coming up such as, I'm not good enough, or I'm not smart enough, or I have to work hard. And you'll find these primary thoughts underneath uh, and at some conscious level drive what, what you do. And some of them are powerful, some of them help you, but often they're disempowering. So what we have to do is have a look at what the disempowering beliefs are, what they've cost you, and then slowly replace them with empowering beliefs. And the way you do this in some ways is, Having mentors, so I know you have mentors, mastermind groups, so, so do I. I have mentors in a number of areas of my life, including in business, that actually help you recognize your disempowering beliefs. Just like some people go to the gym and have a personal trainer, not just to keep them on track, but to actually make sure, well, help you understand what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And what sort of messages and beliefs? about money did you hear as a child because I know I had a lot of things put into me and it, it really, ha- I think a lot of my beliefs have sort of stemmed from, from that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I came from a, a poor background. My parents were migrants to Australia and they worked really hard and I think that's one of the things I was taught. They didn't have a good education so they worked their, their bodies and I was I guess scarcity was one of things that I came across when I was young. I didn't have for what we used to call play lunch when others were able to get a treat at the tuck shop at school. That was my exact one as well. I, I, I had a Vegemite sandwich and apple each day as the standard thing and would never vary from that. So, yeah, others had money for the, for the canteen. Shop. They, they, well, they got pie for lunch. I know. It sounds like we've had quite a similar upbringing, although, you know, a few decades apart. So, yeah, Very much so. And I also had the, the internal, the, the message that, that I wasn't good enough from my father and also that I had to work hard uh, because he knew no other way. That was my dad's mode of operation too. So I think I must work hard at everything in order to, succeed and it holds me back from using leverage or using other people and and using professionals when it comes to needing a buyer's agent my first thought is oh i know how to do that why do i need a buyer's agent you know i need to work hard i may as well learn it myself you know these are the things that have held me back as well sure so for that's the reason okay right back to your first question why did we just things at wealth retreat rather than the next tax strategy or find the best property which by the way we did but if 
you went into all heavy stuff and were given more tools and more ideas with your old set, it would have held you back. And that's the benefit of it. But fascinating, as you saw when people came back a second and a third and fourth time, that they actually growing and um, in, improving because uh, even though the questions are the same, the answers are different, you're, you come back as a, a different person. Uh, and I, I think one of the interesting lessons from Wealth Retreat is it's important to set goals, set plans, set five year, not short term plans, so, so that your internal reticular activating system can actually guide you to, to those new goals. So people came out with goals, not just about money, because wealth's not just money. It's about, uh, they came out with goals related to relationships, to, to money, sure, to, to spirituality, to contribution, to health, to family. And that, that's true wealth, isn't it? When you've got a rounded life. Definitely. And well, you mentioned this reticular activating system. Some people would have heard that and been like, what is he talking about? How does this work and how does it, what role does it play in, in this whole creating wealth? Well, it's or something. For anything that, really, not just, not just yeah, wealth. Good point. So your reticular activating system is that bit of the brain that turns down the sound when you're sleeping, but I know you've got a new baby at home and I bet you while your wife will sleep through other noises, the second the baby cries, it helps her tune in and out. And as a dad, sometimes... <laughs> We could get in trouble for that, Michael, but the reality is, yes, I'm blocking it out. Yeah. Uh, But that's happening at a subconscious level. So we all have our own internal goal-setting mechanisms. The story I often tell is about Harrison, my younger son, who's now in his 30s, but when I took him driving and we were going down the PN Highway, where all the car yards are, and he said, hey, Dad, look at all the Corollas. And I, I said, where, Harrison? Look at all the Mercedes. It's actually what you're focusing on. And it's not conscious. Subconsciously, your reticular activating system is ticking over all the time, looking for opportunities because there are always more opportunities in life than, 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 than we can handle. And the clearer you are in what you want, the more powerful your reticular activating system is in finding those. It tunes in and it allows you to achieve your results more rapidly. So it's important to be clear. And it's not the law of attraction. It's not the, you know, you just think about it and it's going to happen. That doesn't work. So can I explain a little bit about how the reticular activating system does help create wealth? Yeah, please. I mean, in the context of wealth, uh, your reticular activating system, it actually filters all the information that's coming into your brain from the external world. It acts as a filter. And scientists tell us that our brain's processing 11 million bits of information a second, but can only uh, handle 40 bits of information, uh, which means you, you exclude 99.9% of the information goes unnoticed. Like I'm sitting on a chair, you're sitting on a chair at the moment. Now that I'm mentioning it, you're probably feeling the uh, seat on your backside and the back, the, I can feel this chair behind me now, but I didn't notice that before. Your brain can only cope with a, a small amount of information. And so that's the way we handle it. Now, of course, as I said a moment ago, your reticular activating system focused on certain things. So your wife is a new mum or a second time around. The baby's noises, uh, you respond to your name. You, know, you can be in an airport or a crowded place and you, all the background noises there, but if somebody mentions your name, you, you pick it. In the reticular activating, well, I can't even say reticular activating systems, I guess its role is 
from anything that threatens your survival and, and lets you know things you need to know immediately. So it passes certain information on and it gets information uh, from all your senses other than smell. But as I studied this year ago, what I found really interesting was the reticular activating system sorts all this information from your environment and it seeks data that validates your existing beliefs and it finds a match to what your subconscious mind's alerted to. And you've programmed it. That goes back to what we were saying a while ago, um, from your experiences or what you're thinking or what you're looking for. Your beliefs, your vision that you've set for what you want. Yep, yeah. So it actually screens the world through the parameters that you've given it, your belief. So, uh, you know, if you believe Apple are better than Samsung phones, you're going to find all the articles that say that. Like, I guess, when you go down Google and you type in something, you go down a rabbit hole. But, but, but really, the reticular activating system is all, it's very, but it sees what you would like it to see. And that influences you. Mm, that's the, the, and that's really sort why of danger about staying within that comfort zone, isn't it? it keeps you trapped in a way and self reinforcing. And very much so. That's right. But again, it's protective. It's trying to let you get out of I your guess comfort zone. trapped is safe and inside the comfort zone is safe. And, you know, back to our prehistoric days, what's safe keeps us alive, as you said. Mm. So on the one hand, it works as a search engine, Jared. It's actually looking for things you programmed it to look for. So it's, I guess it's important to program it for what you want, not what you don't want. If you keep thinking negative thoughts, if you keep reading negative things in the media, you know what? You're going to find them. If There's you always believe- something to find, isn't there? Oh, yeah. And you we see can- it on the forums and, you know, the, I don't know, you get trolled as well, but I've got yeah. various, um, we, I call them the, the forum bear. No matter, no matter what's happening, they're always spotting the, the negative things on the horizon and another reason to defer and wait and if they'd only just gotten in two, three years ago and taken action when they could do rather than trying to time things perfectly or worried about that next headline, it does hold a lot of people back. And obviously they've got certain beliefs and, and a comfort zone that is drawing all of these negative things that they keep spotting um, to the surface. And it is hard to argue with them because they will have lots and lots of evidence uh, piled up as to why they're right. You're right, Jared, because the reticular activating system is paying attention to what they already believe or no matter whether those thoughts are right or wrong, just like yours and mine are searching for things, filtering out information to help reinforce what we've already chosen to believe. That's why despite being exposed to the same circumstances, you said those people on the forum You'll see opportunities and they'll see problems. You'll see the good in rich people because you've dealt with a lot of clients in your property management business and your new buyers agency business, and you know that they do good, while others see wealthy people as evil and greedy, the nasty, greedy landlords. They believe people are generally bad because every time they read the news, they see the tragedy, the crime, the death. And at other times, other people like you and me who are optimistic see all the good that's happening around. And, and, and that's why it is important to look at your beliefs and understand that your reticular activating system needs to be guided, but it's also GPS. So it also 
a bit, it's a bit like if you put a GPS, you put something in your GPS and know where you are now and you know the destination, you don't necessarily know exactly which way to go. But that's why we set those goals at Wealth Retreat. And now your GPS is going to find the route, the roads that are going to take you there. And you may not even know exactly, exactly. how you're going to end up. Do you up care that much about how you get there? You, you work it out as you go. And if you come to a dead end, at least if you know your destination, you don't stay in that dead end. Perfect. That's right. The problem is the reticular activating system isn't very clever, Jared. It actually doesn't know whether your destination is good or bad. It just knows your dominant thoughts and beliefs. So therefore, if you're continuously thinking about things like that you don't want, like those trolls on the internet, and I've got a few who uh, continuously uh, see the negative things, uh, particularly on my YouTube channel, the reticular activating system is leading them down the path they want. So we've got to be careful about our thoughts because, uh, as we said right at the beginning, your thoughts lead to your feelings, your feelings lead to your actions, your actions lead to your results. So, But you can reprogram it. So I think this is a great conversation just to make people aware. Most of us aren't even aware of what we think about. And finally, I think it was worth touching on that I've heard you say that the rich don't really do different things, but they do things in a certain way. Can you elaborate on this? Sure. Well, in our book, Rich Habits, Poor Habits, Tom, Paulie and I went through a lot of habits that, that wealthy people have, rich people. And again, this is not a judge of people, but it's showing what their end results are and how they do things differently. So I think a couple of things we could think about with regard to property, which is what most people are going to be listening to this podcast are about, is while the average person gets lost in detail, the rich people, they look at the big picture. They recognize that, yes, the property markets have ups and downs. Yeah, there are challenges ahead and some headwinds. But over the last 40 years, and in fact, over the last couple of hundred years, well-located residential real estate has gone up over the long term. And so they look at the big picture. The, the way the rich people do things differently to the average person is, while the average person trades their time for money, the, the wealthier people, they work their money. They build their equity while the average Australian or the poorer people, they think more about cash flow. The wealthy people think about equity uh, while the average Australian tries to decrease their debt. They're worried about debt. Wealthy people, rich people, they understand the difference between good and bad debt and they understand that good debt actually helps them leverage and grow so they're prepared to borrow and gear and leverage while the average Australian tries to save they buy a home and they pay it off because that's what they were told by their parents. While rather than paying off their home, the wealthy property investors buy appreciating assets. They invest. They invest for the long term rather than selling. While well, that the was the stark difference I found when just chatting to the people at their various levels at Wealth Retreat. And most of them were at a really high level. And all of our discussions were more about that you know, big picture, long term. It's like, I don't care if the property is going to perform over the next three months or six months, but I'm buying this for 10, 20, 30 years. And if that decision makes sense, you know, then it's just so much easier to make decisions and not get pulled down into the minutiae. Exactly. So they think abundance, not scarcity. They don't want to trade. They think big. They play the game to win. One of the big differences between the rich and the average is 
they actually believe they're in control of their lives, while the average person or those trolls on the internet sort of believe that life happens to them. It's the government's fault. It's my boss's fault. I didn't have a good education. And psychologists show us that the more you feel in control of more elements of your life, the more comfortable you are. So sure, there are things that are not in your control, but again, they're the things that you, you don't waste too much time or effort on while, as I said, the wealthy believe they've got control, got control of their lives. And I think the other thing is they tend to have higher self-esteem. I've found in general the poor have low self-esteem and it's a self-perpetuating thing. They, they're not prepared to learn more while the wealthy still, you, and all, you, you spend five days and travelled across from one end of Australia to the other, and then there were people even from further up north in Western Australia from, from Broome, you'll remember, Annette and Ken, Ken came and gave up their successful business for five days to, to learn more, to invest in themselves. The rich realise they've got to keep e- educating themselves. They ask questions. They know that things are going to go wrong. Uh, they know that failure happens at times. But but it doesn't matter. They just move on again. So there are lots of ways that the wealthy do things differently. But but let me say they can only invest in businesses, shares, or or property. I mean, I know there's crypto and bonds and things like that. I'm not sure sure that they're proper investments. So they actually don't do different things. They just do things in a different way because they think in a different way, Jared. Well, that sounds like a really good place to leave things on. Thank you so much for your time and taking us inside of some of the stuff that we did at Wealth Retreat. And when are you going to have your next one? Because um, Once a year. It happens in the last weekend of April 2024. But I know you've penciled in to come back and I hope that people listening to this will also think, hey, maybe I should get in the room. Because you can read things on in blogs and you can listen to podcasts and watch videos. But it's very different, isn't it, from when you actually sit with people sit face to face and talk with them at breakfast, lunch and dinner. That's where a lot of ideas came from, wasn't it? Definitely. And I know a few of my mastermind group and uh, clients that I've been, uh, I've already been telling everyone about it. So it might be, I might be seeing a few more familiar faces next year. (laughs) Fantastic. That'll be exciting. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Michael. Just a reminder, the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature. As we don't know your specific situation, you should always seek professional advice before taking any action. For free market reports on your suburb of interest and other helpful resources to grow your wealth, make sure you join my property investor update at investorshedge.com.au slash join. And finally, make sure you're a member of our Perth Property Investment Facebook group. To be part of the conversation with other like-minded investors, get help to your questions, and get a feel for what's going on out there in the market. I'll see you in the group.